I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 10 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. This episode will cover Chapters 39 through 41, and also this episode is a re-record. We started this episode, like, a week and a half ago, and then a storm came through and ruined all the audio, and we didn't even know it until after the fact when we went to listen to it and edit it. And since then, I've had another hospital trip with my family. I got sick, like, worse than COVID sick, and I still can't breathe through my nose. So, like, originally, we thought our bad luck was over, and then the universe said, hold my beer. So, um, here we are. Yeah. Poor Kelsey. Yeah. And where Kelsey Kelsey's had all of that, I've just had like craziness at work. AC issues, trash issues, lots of vendor issues. <laughs> In fact, I'm I'm getting ready to go on vacation and I was at work until almost eight o'clock last night. Right. Like, you know, like we were gonna record this episode last night, but like Kim was at work. <laughs> I was stuck out at the office. So that being said, I mean, I can't complain. Life is good. It's just been really hectic. My son's trying to eke the last couple of weeks of summer out before school starts in a few weeks. I can't believe it's like two weeks and school starts. This poor child. I don't know where the year went. I am so mind blown. Like, how is it August? Like, what is happening? I I know. I totally, I feel so bad for him. Um, But I do want to say really quick, you guys, if you've listened to the last episode and you've actually read the show notes, then you'll notice that there were songs in there that I, didn't talk about because I totally was an idiot and forgot to turn the page when I was talking about songs last time because I was trying to get the recording finished. Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> I know. So let me just really quickly, I'm going to explain them and then move on and, and whatever. The songs that I forgot to um, talk about that are in the show notes, uh, one is Don't Blame Me by Taylor Swift. It's when Nesta is teasing Cassian when she's in the bathtub. Number the the next one is Nasty by Janet Jackson. Um, Love it. Sex. Hello. The next song is About Damn Time by Lizzo. It's when Nesta and the girls are talking in the training ring and they're teasing her because they're kind of like, well, God, it's taking you guys long enough. Yeah, yeah. And then the last song is Honey, Honey by ABBA. And I picked it one... The section needed an, an ABBA song, as far as I was concerned. I mean, yeah, and we were, like, really due for an ABBA song. <laughs> it's been a while. Were. It has, and I needed a fun one. Uh, so we went with Honey, Honey, and again, it's it's when Nesta and Emery and uh, Gwen are talking during training, and they're kind of having their little girly bit, and it made me think of the whole uh, bit in Mamma Mia at the beginning yeah. when she's reading the journal with her two friends. So anyway... That's kind of where I am. So uh, those are the songs I forgot to mention. Have at it. Enjoy. If you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, anyway. that's okay. Like most of those songs actually fit this episode as well because you picked most of those songs for the sex. And like this section is like really, okay. I sort of have like mixed feelings about this section. They're all really good actually, but like on one hand, I'll like really like this section. And on the other hand, it's sort of like chapters 39 and 40 are side quests. And I kind of forgot what the plot was for a minute because I was just like super into like what we were doing and like the the character development. And then I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck is the actual storyline? Um, but luckily then we get chapter 41, which like brings us back, but is also pornographic. So very, yeah. there's no other way to say it. 
very yeah so like it's all in like all of it 39 40 41 all of it's like very interesting all of it's like really fun all again pornographic I just sometimes question like what we're doing with the pacing but that's a whole different problem for another day <laughs> uh but to tie into the pornographic I I, I do want to say really quick it is very pornographic and I know you guys know that I don't always kind of go into I let Kelsey do a lot of that one because Kelsey's far wittier than I am when it comes to that thank you thank you <laughs> Kelsey I've had this discussion I'm I'm very academic in my writing style which is fine I I, I don't have a problem with it. it it fits my degree field um or fields I should say it makes perfect sense anyway but I I don't have a problem I just talk about it very bluntly and i know that that can be very offensive to people so i tend to let <laughs> she lets me beat around a bush in the funny way <laughs> yeah because i just don't do that like every once in a while i'll get a good singer in there but for the most part i'm just pretty like blunt okay but like in fairness i was i i was looking at this section and trying to like go through my notes and i gotta be on and like honestly and people know that this is a re-record, so some of this we had recorded, some of it we hadn't gotten to, and we actually hadn't gotten to the sex section in our initial recording because we were talking about how there's like no, like we're just like kind of way out of ways to like beat around the bush with this. Like we've really gotten to a point that it's just like really, really descriptive <laughs> and uh, less easy to make fun of. It's reading erotica. Yeah. Fairy, fairy porn slash erotica. Yeah. We are no longer, what is the word I was using last time when we were discussing it? I don't know. I guess I was saying like, initially the books were very like flowery, not, not super flowery, but kind of flowery in the way that they talked about it. I mean, like, yes, like, you know, chapter 55 or whatever, like in Akamath was like, you know, kind of a lot, but also like the lead up had been very long. The words chosen were a little softer. It was a little more like, yeah, imagine it with like mood lighting <laughs> versus like Hold on to the headboard, Nest. Yeah, versus 41. Yeah, where it's yeah, hold on to the headboard. <laughs> Which is ironically also the name of this episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> so that being said, you know, guys, this, this podcast is not for little years. Truer <laughs> words have never been spoken. <laughs> I, th I think we have definitely um, proven that point. And yeah. that's just the intro. So, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so, that being said, chapter 39. All right, <laughs> let's see. Where were we? Chapter 38 left off. What were we doing in chapter 38, friend? Oh, we had just sword learned fighting. some sword fighting. <laughs> and we were into it. Like, Nesta was, like, vibing with this whole, like, swordsmanship thing. And and for the first time, instead of, ooh, yes, Kim. I Kim, do. Yes, Kim also <laughs> I vibes. I get that. <laughs> I get that. N Nesta and I are soul sisters on that one. Yes, Kim also vibes. So we were vibing with that. We're, we're you know... We're just getting into it. He had just started to teach it, but she was already clicking with it. And this is when she was doing her like never again bit in her head. So we're seeing some like emotional healing happening with this physical work. So chapter 39 kind of picks up from there. We've moved on, you know, it's later in the day, we're at the library, but like 
Nesta can't let go of that. She's like, ooh, like I'm really fired up. This felt really good. This is like the best I felt in a long time. Uh, after the library, she starts walking the stairs, um, kind of just like for some thinking time. A lot of times I think we see her go to the stairs because she's upset and like actually kind of actively trying to leave, even though she, you know, she ain't gonna make it. But this time it was more just like a, you know, almost like a meditation exercise. She was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna think. And she's going down, 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 step, step, step. And she managed to get down to stair 6,000 while thinking about, you know, everything, basically everything this like that had happened earlier in the day training, but also, you know, basically what that means for her whole life, which is she remembers that like, you know, she had escaped the Kelpie, but she felt like it had been pure luck and that she had been terrified and that it wasn't really her doing. And that she also had felt that same amount of like hopelessness, like with, what was his name? Uh, I don't have his name here. The fucking guy. Almost. Thank you. He had kind of, you know, when he had cornered her and he was essentially, you know, assaulting her, she got away. But again, more maybe by just like sheer luck and like panic than by, you know, thought process more, you know, it wasn't because she had any kind of like, you know, self-defense training. She just, you know, had managed and she's tired of basically barely managing. She's tired of feeling so much terror and, you know, same with the cauldron. She, you know, had threatened the cauldron essentially when she went in, but that's still not the same thing as actively fighting it and, and having that ability and having, you know, the innate training in the background. So she's trying to move on from just being so afraid of everything. She's decided that that fear, that meek, trembling you know, terror is unacceptable to her. And she's decided that it's, she says unacceptable that she had let herself balk and cower and curl inward. And she's never going to do that again. Never again, never, ever again. And that's when she had reached stair 6,000 and she begins going back up, which like I'm exhausted for her. And then we get a snowflake. So it's nasty out. It's raining. Everybody's like a wet cat literally what oh my god what was that swamp cat we're bringing back swamp cat <laughs> it's the year of the swamp cat everybody's looking like swamp cat okay <laughs> and cassian is struck by the fact that when he comes up to the training ring he's thinking like this weather sucks like there's not gonna be anybody here like if, if there was ever a day for them to just be like mm, i'm calling out sick like this is gonna be the day but when he gets up there all of them are standing there and they are ready and they are just like waiting to train and not a single one of them had bothered to use like their magic or any other like means to keep dry. And he's just like in awe of the fierceness that he sees in their faces. So I highlighted this, you know, spot that he's particularly talking about Nesta, but I think it like kind of some of it applies to all of them, which is Cassian's blood heated, unable to keep his desire contained at the sight of the fierceness in her face, the eagerness to learn more and push harder. And I mean, obviously he's talking about Nesta specifically, but on the other hand, I think he is kind of in awe of all of them being there, period. You know what I mean? It's like they're, and also because it's kind of like they're backing her up. Like she is yeah. showing that, therefore they are showing that. You know what I mean? Well, it's like she's the leader of the crowd. Like she's, right. she's the leader of the pack, man. And then on top of that, there were even new priestesses who showed up today, <laughs> despite the weather, despite what it, you know, what it's like out and he, I love this, he surveys them. I think we need another tutor. Woohoo! <laughs> Which is also like, 
something really fun. Like we know who that's going to be, but you know, I mean, I don't know. I just, I like the idea that he's looking around and he's going, oh my God, like this started out as Nesta actually coming to me finally ready to train. Like when we changed location, that was a game changer and she was finally ready to participate. And mm. then she came up with the idea that we were going to invite the other priestesses and slowly one by one they're here. And now we have so many that we need more than one of me. You know what I mean? Like that is yeah. so cool. I love it. I think it proves one, the metal of the priestesses and their inner strength from everything yeah, that's sure. around. But two, I think it's important because remember, Cassie is Illyrian and Illyrian women get treated like shit. And yeah. like they don't like Illyrians don't want women training. Yeah. Like they're so backwards. And to see this is I think in many ways for Cassian, as as important it is for Nesta, right? Her her forward moving with everything that she needed for her growth. In this case, it's also important for Cassian because he has been fighting with the Illyrians to get his own troop of of female soldiers, and he keeps being denied that overtly and subvertly by them. So I love the fact that it's kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like he's also seeing that he's not wrong. Right. His, his understanding and perception of, of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I was thinking too about how like, like you were, like when you were saying, you know, they're so backwards, they don't want to see women training. I think what's interesting is probably there's a part of Cassian too, who's like, like what you were saying, where it's like, I, I, I knew this. I knew they were wrong. I knew that the women could handle this. You know what I mean? But like, he's never been able to see it, you know? And so I think he's thinking back too to like this, you know, I didn't get, you know, I didn't really get to live like the Valkyrie timeline. You know what I mean? I, I didn't get to see that at its fullest. I didn't get to see, you know, what that would look like. And I think this is what that would look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think that's I mean, probably kind of cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking that that's kind of probably cool from like an, a, like, you know, like an Illyrian upbringing way of like a, oh, there was like a thing, but I never saw it. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, you don't know what, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, you know, you don't know what like, you know, some people have never stepped on a cobblestone road before. And then when you do, you're like, oh shit, this is a cobblestone road. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Or I've never seen, you know, like I live in Colonial Williamsburg, right? Oh, I've never seen, you know, colonial stuff. Oh, that's what the clothing looks like. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, no, I do. I get it. Is it okay if I put a spoiler in? Oh, okay. As long as we say spoiler, spoiler. Okay, you're good. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, people. Um, if you don't want to hear it, please skip ahead a few um, seconds. One of the things that comes out that that we find out later in the book, but it to me is part of the reason why Cassian has the reaction he does is we find out in the war Cassian actually fought with the Valkyries. Oh, that does make sense. Okay, so yeah, so he like saw it, but not like he saw the downfall too. Like he saw yeah. that he was probably one of the only ones who was like for that instead of actively fighting against that. So that's exactly. cool. So anyway, I love knowing it. that now when I read it, I see that yeah. in there too, and so I yeah. just oh, that's fun. Oh, that's right, fun. Spoiler, spoiler cool ended. Okay, cool beans. Okay, we'll put that in the show me. notes. <laughs> it's safe now <laughs> you can come back okay but yeah and then we get a snowflake yes so the next morning 
we have our second trainer. It is, of course, our, our shadow singer, Bat Boy. And while the, the, especially the newer priestesses to this were a little hesitant around Azrael, one, he is familiar to them. So it wasn't Which, like, like, I totally forgot. Like I read this and I was yeah. like, I logically know that this is not new information, but for some reason that did not stick in my brain. Right. Versus Azriel's like, or we could just ignore that they're women and train them because they deserve to be trained. I mean. <laughs> go cast. Go, go Azriel. So Azriel gets a gold go star baby. for feminism. <laughs> yes. In the way that there should not be a need for feminism because it should just be a given. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I, uh, <laughs> so it's not that Cassie and Reese are, it's that they get the gold star for like ye typical feminism versus Asriel's like, feminism, we shouldn't need that. And you're like, you're right, we shouldn't need that. Asriel's all about inclusive, inclusivity. I can't talk. It's morning and I'm not awake and the coffee hasn't hit. Sometimes our morning episodes are better than our nighttime episodes and sometimes they ain't. <laughs> Anyway, Asriel is all about being inclusive to everybody. Exactly. Whether whether you are male, female, whether no matter how you view yourself, whatever your pronouns are, whatever your abilities are in a physical way, he knows that if you are trained and you have the heart, you can yep. find a way to make it work. And I think that's the difference. He is the He's school of meet you where you're at. Yes. And being inclusive for that, which yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 in fairness, maybe we're reading too much into it. Like maybe that's not on the page. But since we have so little characterization of Asriel, I'm choosing to believe that that is a on purpose characterization choice. <laughs> I'm choosing to believe that is canon. <laughs> I take that. I mean, I take it going to some of the Easter eggs we've already been given. I mean, sure. look at. Story time with Papa Az when he's telling right, Feyre about, right. you know, Nafel. And when, you know, I mean, when Kat, when Azrael's the one who said, now I'll teach you how to fly because Absol- he remembers right. Absolutely. So I do think there is that. I think that if it wasn't the case, Azrael wouldn't have done that. Yeah, so, that's a good point. I kind of forgot know, about those, like, in combination with this. That's a good point. It's not like big overt signs but if you look back, there are those little glimmers and Easter eggs to pull from to kind of give you that. So that's where I'm going. That's how I got there with my well, own. Well, this is analysis. great. This has been nice. I've enjoyed our uh, Asriel praise moment because I feel like too often we have been the ones making fun of As for being the world's fucking worst spy master, which I still stand by. <laughs> He's still in the wrong fucking job, my dudes. But anyway. Fair. Anyway, but the, the women are, are letting Azriel teach them the beginning. So what I like is, is that they've kind of broken it up and Azriel's doing the, here are the basics. This is how we begin. This is how you start. Sure. This is how, you know, he's taking over the very beginning steps and Cassian is continuing the training, especially with Nesta Gwen and Emery, um, but probably some of the more advanced you know, especially as time's going to go on, I'm sure some of the more advanced priestesses as well who are going to continue to advance into this. And so at the moment they were, I mean, it's been pouring down rain, guys. The rain hasn't stopped. This is kind of like the rainy season and then we're having the rainy season from hell. And so 
they're out there training and they're actually not doing swords right now. They're doing some physical hand-to-hand combat and he's teaching them some really good self-defense maneuvers, especially for women. Because no matter what. Yeah, I kind of appreciate that this like got rolled in there where it was like, okay, even if we never make it to the point where you have swords, let's make it just so that you don't feel like you could be attacked again. Or that you don't have a way to defend yourself against an right, attack. Right, right. So we, um, we did that. So they're, you know, they're stretching and, and kind of giving their muscles a bit of a rest because as somebody who likes to play with swords, I will tell you, it can be very exhausting and you do need to, to stretch your muscles and get other things going. But he makes a note of the fact that Gwen's been very distracted because she keeps glancing at Azriel and he's thinking, you know, he thinks she's not comfortable with Azrael there because of her experiences, because he does remember that Azrael's the one who found her first at St. and saved her. And so he's thinking she's just uncomfortable because of everything yeah. she's gone through. I have to tell you, even the first time I read it, I was like, I don't think so. I think she's got a crush. <laughs> Okay, so like, okay, okay, so when I read it, I immediately made the note that I was like, I guess this is the kind of stuff that people are like talking about where they're like, it's so obvious, but like, I'm kind of with Cassian where it's like, yeah, this could go either way. (laughs) It could, I just, I do see where it could be a crush, you know, like. Yeah, well, and and at the very least, and I think here's a weird thing that society does also so I think as readers we do it too it's kind of like in high school where somebody will be like oh my god he's cute and then immediately your friends are like oh my god you're in love with him and then like nobody can let it go to save your damn life like I think you can like be in awe of somebody's like presence and personality and attractiveness and still be like okay well that was nice and move on and I'm not saying I mean but it's still kind of like a you know when that yeah. does happen, like you're in high school, and it's not that you're crushing because it's like, oh my god, I want to date them, but it's just yeah. kind of a little bit of a wow kind of crush. Oh sure, but my point is, is like society doesn't like those. Society makes yeah. it seem like you have to like go for whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like I think I think to me, it's like yes, she probably it, there's probably a multitude of emotions. Oh my god, that's the guy that saved me back in the day. That was you know helpful. Also, now that I'm looking at him, he's really good looking. Also, he's helping those other nice priestesses. And that is great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's amazing. Like, you know what I mean? So you're like, oh, that gets me all fluttery. But like, that doesn't necessarily make me be like, this one paragraph proves they're in game. (laughs) No, I think think of it more like a, 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 a small girl crush. Absolutely. I agree. I love it. Not, 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 not in a sexual way of any kind. It's just, you know. Yeah. No, I just know that some people are like, see their mates. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I did not get that from this. (laughs) No. No. I just see it as being like a little bit of a a girl crush or. Like, let's be real. Let's be real. That would be any the fuck of us (laughs) if we were walking down the street and Asriel showed up. I'd be like, I'd look. I'm I'm even married. I love my husband. I'm not dead. <laughs> it's like I said, I went to a comedy show with a friend of mine. And she goes, oh my God, I have to admit, I just love him partially because he's funny and also because he's just really hot. And I was like, I mean, like, let's be real. Like we're married. We're not dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're not blind. You don't get married and get struck blind. <laughs> no, 
My husband and I both will point out attractive members of the opposite sex to each other. Right? When he sees a really attractive man, he'll be like, hey, babe, did you see him? He's really good. And I'll be like, hey, yeah. And it's okay, not- see, but so at least that means you have the same taste. If my husband and I try to do that, he's always like, oh, my God, that's a good looking guy. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's hideous. <laughs> no. People say my husband and I. Or he'll be like, this girl is really not that attractive. Like when we're watching a movie, he'll be like, I know she's the love interest, but she's not that cute. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? I love her. (laughs) I date her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, for the most part, my husband and I do have similar tastes in that sense, I guess. That must be nice. (laughs) There have been times when we have not, but he's very much a, you know, he'll point out. And and if I agree, great. If I don't agree, I'll be like, hey, I, I see why you would say that, but I don't find them attractive. And wow, so it's you guys okay. are so constructive. We're both just like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> We're also a lot older, nothing personal. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> so it, but like, I've never, like my husband, I don't know if he still does, but I know for years he thought Angelina Jolie was like his. Yeah, see, like I don't get it. I'm like, she's got a beautiful body. Her facial structure is nice, but I don't find her like. No. Attractive. No, me either. She has a banging body, though. Yeah, but I feel like there are people with like equally banging bodies who have different faces. I agree. But on the other hand, not to yuck your yum if that's what you're into. Also, I know I just said that and then made it sound like I don't think she's attractive, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying she's not my type. She's kind of what I picture, like, in her heyday, not today in, you know, August 2023 necessarily. But, like, in her heyday, she could have been, like, a good Emery, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bone structure-wise, like, coloring-wise, maybe. She could have been maybe a good Emery. Yeah. See, I just go Gigi Haddad now, but that's oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, anyway, now I've like really sidetracked us. My bad. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyway, he so Cassie's kind of beating himself up because he's like, uh, you know, maybe I should have talked to the girls and made sure everybody was okay with me bringing Azrael on instead of just doing it. So it's kind of a nice little moment that he has of of introspection. Yeah, he himself. Maybe I, but okay. You know, Cassie admits he can't really read the expression on her face as he as he notices she does keep checking Azrael out one way or the other. But he concentrates on on the three women in front of him, and I love it because he teaches them basically. I, I want to call it the the Vulcan the Vulcan um, the Vulcan trick where they make you pass out. Yes. Yes. The, the Vulcan squeeze thing where you can yeah. come up and pinch the nerve. Because that's basically what he's te- teaching yeah. them. And it's just so cute because he's like, this move will knock anyone unconscious if you hit the right spot. Cassian took Nesta's hand, placing it on his neck. Her fingers were so small against his and freezing cold. He might have run his thumb over the back of her hand before pos- he positioned her fingers. You want to go for this pressure point. Hit it hard enough you'll make them drop like a stone so yeah it's that vulcan 
pressure squeeze thingy that they do. I just like that immediately after training this, like teaching this, uh, Cassian realizes he's made a huge error in judgment because now Nesta knows how to knock him out. And he's like, don't even think about it. Don't do it. Anyway, he goes, so back to swords. He wants to show me the eight points and we get a snowflake. And they have now changed their clothes. This is afterwards. And Nesta and Gwen are down in the library trying to warm up and thaw out. <laughs> poor things. I know. Poor babies. They're they're nestled up in, in a warm nook. I, I have to admit, Missy, this is me. I would I would go find somewhere nice and warm to go snuggle up. And yep, a kitty corner. With comfy clothes and a cup of hot tea or hot coffee and some books and life would be good. Yeah, but then Gwen's got to ruin it, ringing her meditation. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. I it's mean, cool, it is. It's cool. So Gwen sits down and there, you know, teaches, you know, tells us to sit like this. We're going to work on some, some things. Gwen had already written everything down and she had given a copy of it to Emery to take home so Emery could read it and study it. But they're, they're, you know, going through this. And so Nesta's like, okay, it's really that easy. And Gwen's like, it certainly seems easy. But according to everything I've read, it, it's not. This says you just sit somewhere comfortable and quiet. Close your eyes, breathe a whole lot, and let your mind go. It does sound easy. However, if you've ever done meditation. Have you ever done this, though? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. And Gwen is like, I'm telling you, it took the Valkyries months to learn the basics. And mastering it required doing these exercises multiple times a day. But let's try it. It says at the end of the chapter, if we're doing this for the first time, we might grow sleepy or even fall asleep during it. But learning to fight the urge to sleep is further down the road. So again, it is like doing a meditation. I have to remember the first couple of times I learned how to meditate when I finally hit the zone, yeah. I passed right back out. It was hysterical. Yeah. And of course, Nessa's like, I could use an app after training today. <laughs> yeah, fair. like fair, fair. Gwen's like, look, I'll walk us through it. I've memorized it. And of course, Nesta cheeses her. She's like, of course you memorized it. Of course. And Gwen's like, look, learning this is my job. So, which is true, it really is. That's kind of cool. So they get done, you know, teasing each other about this. And Gwen's like, okay, get into a comfortable seated position, alert, but at ease. Again, this is truly a guided meditation, guys. And so Gwen demonstrates this and they start and they're like, all right, now you take three deep breaths in through your nose for a count of six, out through your mouth for a count of six. After you finish the third breath, close your eyes, keep breathing. And so this is about breathing. And as thoughts cross your mind, how do you still the, your mind? Because let's face it, I don't know about anyone else, but the first time I ever did meditation, guided meditation, my mind went all over for the first like 10 times. And then it finally started to settle down. Yeah. So anyway, they're doing this thing. And Gwen's funny. She goes, I can feel you overthinking this. Close your eyes. Keep breathing. Take five breaths. Because Nesta's mind had literally been... I like that Gwen's like, I could sense it in the air. Stop it. <laughs> Nesta actually struggles even more when she can't look at anything with behind closed eyes to focus on her breathing. Which, again, very common. 
And so she she does all of this and and you know, Gwen's like, let your breathing study, focus on the sounds around you, acknowledge them, let them fade away. And so Nesta's working on that, and she's focusing, and she's like, Gwen was probably good at this. And I, I highlighted this in particular. I want to read this because it's, you know, Gwen, she she realizes Gwen is not struggling to do this as much as she is. And in her internal monologue, she says, Gwen was probably good at this. Gwen was good at everything, actually. It didn't irk her, though. For whatever reason, Nesta wanted to crow about her friend to anyone who'd listen. Her friend? That's what Gwen was. It had been focus, let it go. Nesta noted Gwen's breathing had released the thought and moved on to the next sound and then the next. But the reason why I highlighted this is because Nesta acknowledges Gwen is her friend, and it's the first real friend she's had in a long time. And she's not jealous. She's not envious. There's no competition. She is so proud of this amazing person that is her friend that all she wants to do is tell everybody about her awesome friend and how amazing and awesome this person is. And so I love that. I love that she's had that realization. And so, you know, they, they, they go through, they take it up to the next step, which is acknowledging pain and and soreness in the body and letting it go. And then I love, you know, again, it says, you know, once you've done that, focus on how you are feeling on an emotional level, acknowledge it, let it go. So it's constant. You, every step you get to that point, you acknowledge whatever it is you need to acknowledge, you let it go. And so, again, we're going through this and we get to the assessing her emotions, however. How was she feeling right now? Tired, yet content to be here with Gwen. Laughing, doing this. And if she went deeper, dot, dot, dot. And so, again, it's we're seeing this much, much more relatable side of Nesta that all of us yeah. really do have that we never even got with Farah. I know. I really like this. We have this genuine moment of connectedness between these two women. And I think it's just, well, I think it's wonderful. It it truly an awesome experience. No, I agree. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to me because I think we do this weird thing where we act like, Oh, like Farah was like the baby of the family and you know, whatever, like she didn't really have anybody. And then she got adopted into the inner circle and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I think we need to like reevaluate our definition of adopted into the inner circle. I mean, Cassian and Azriel and more love her, but they love her because from moment one, they knew Reese loved her. You know what I mean? That's different. Nesta had to go out and literally make friends. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like Pharaoh ultimately made friends because she was welcomed into essentially an established family. So when she got Reese, she got all of them. Exactly. But like Nesta doesn't have that. So like, I I think we need to give Nesta credit for what it's really like to be a human out in the world, like trying to make friends somewhere where you don't have that. You know what I mean? Especially as an adult. 
Yes. Yes. I will say that, you know, as an adult, the older you get, it's really hard to make new friends. I don't care what people say it is. It's a lot harder. The older you get, the harder it is. And so the fact that she has done this truly entirely all on her own is so awesome and so amazing. Like, I just think we don't give her enough, like, credit for that growth. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think it's pretty... I think it's incredible and I love it. I love this moment. Me too. And then Gwen goes up to the next part and she's like, all right, now we're going to work on focused breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, do 10 of them, then start over. If a thought pops up, acknowledge it, then send it on its way. Tell yourself, I am the rock against which the surf crashes. Your thoughts of the surf, let them crash over you. And yes, that is such a huge quote that you see everywhere. But yeah. Think about what it really does mean. And on so many levels, what, what an amazing thing to teach and learn and, and try to embody. Yeah. And, and Nesta definitely struggles. You know, she's, she she starts thinking about her sister, um, Elaine, and she's like, what would Elaine think to see her here with a friend? And, you know, she's like, would Elaine be pleased or would she feel the need to warn Gwen about Nesta's trousseau? And she starts over and Gwen's like, start over if you lose count. Yeah. And Nesta does so, focusing on breaths, not Elaine. She goes, I acknowledge the thought about my sister and I am letting it go. So she's really putting this into practice and she's finding, she's processing all these thoughts. And, you know, one of them was right of, you know, Elaine pops up again and it's yet somehow all you think of is what my trauma did to you. And had Elaine been right about that, Favor admitted she was guilty of it. So again, you know, we're, we're acknowledging this, we're letting it go. And it, it does count that, you know, she comes across the fact that Amron chose favor over her and Elaine chose favor over her. And so she's like, in fairness, Amron chose Amron over everybody else. <laughs> like, exactly. That's, that's like not even, uh, yeah. Like if we could take a step back, Nesta, Amron didn't choose favor over you. Amron chose Amron every time. And that's who Amron is. And that's a little bit what we like about her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like as much as it makes her a bitch, it's a little bit, I think what resonates in all of us where we wish we took care of ourselves more. We wish we put ourselves first more. We wish we said the thing we wanted to say. Like, I think that's what we like about Amarin is like, we don't have the guts to do that, but it's fun to read about somebody who does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, Nesta does get the point. She's like, you know what? I'm going to focus on my breathing. These thoughts exist. I'm letting them go. So good for good for Nesta, and she does all of this. And as she continues, Gwen is like, you know, the goal is to work up to longer and longer periods of this. We're going to keep doing this. And so Nesta keeps doing it. And then she tells her, her mind, she's like, do what you want, mind. Go drift into those dark, horrible places. It didn't, though. Her mind lingered. It didn't wander. It just sat there, contented, resting like a cat curled at her feet, stilled. Wow. For Nesta, that's, that's huge. Yeah, I know. 
I am too. So they Gwen walks them out of it, and Nesta's like, you know, strange, so strange to find her body suddenly calmed, distant. Like she'd somehow indeed been able to step back, let it rest, and her mind. Gwen tells her, open your eyes, Nesta does, and realizes for the first time in her life, she felt utterly settled into her own skin. Oh my God, you guys. Oh my God. I know. We're there. We're there. Yeah. Yeah. Like big circle for her. Yeah. Like big, like, yeah. Happy. Yeah. Like kind of like full circle moment for her where she's like back to being quiet, but now it's the good quiet, not the bad quiet. Yes. And truly, I think for the first time in, honestly, since we've really known her. Yes. Yes. You can tell me, I don't think this is a spoiler to just answer this question. Do we get much more of her backstory, like her childhood backstory in this? Okay, good. Because I was thinking about how, like, I think that would be really interesting and important. Yep. Cool. All right. Chapter 40. Okay. We're on to side quest number two, as I like to call it. And again, I love the side quest, but sort of feels like this doesn't do a lot for us. So (laughs) I'm just going to kind of like push through this section because it's nice but it's not it comes back and it's very important oh really well that's interesting because it feels lame at the time but anyway okay it's important well that makes me feel better that we spend so damn much time on this so (laughs) chapter 40 we're going on a field trip this is the part where i'd like to sing like the uh miss frizzle you know school bus magic school bus theme song but i don't remember it we're going on a field trip. A little after my time, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know if your kid watched it or not. No, not so really. After your time before his. Okay, apparently this is a niche reference. Anyway. <laughs> definitely for your age group, your generation. The oh. millennial generation, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I guess the I mean, kids watching. I know who Miss Frizzle is. I know the Magic School, but so does yeah. Wesley, but he didn't watch it. I was just saying, maybe maybe it feels like it's a thing now because millennials are teachers and now they're making their kids watch it because my sister does that. Anyway. It was all about Schoolhouse Rocks for me. Oh, yeah. So we didn't really watch as many of those. So fair. Okay. Anyway, insert field trip related song here. <laughs> the Miss Frizzle Magic School Bus song will be in the show notes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Conjunction junction <laughs> is not probably applicable uh, applicable here, but anyway. <laughs> well, noun is a person, place, or thing. Well, true, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna go on a field trip to learn about some specific nouns. Uh- <laughs> and mother necessity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So great. The women have been training. It's been great. But Nesta is ultimately the only one who goes on this field trip. Technically, Cassian, like, opened it up to everybody. But uh, I think Cassian did it in such a way that, A, most of these women, like, have a hard enough time, like, leaving, you know, their safe space to come to training, let alone go on a field trip. But also, like, I think people like Emery were like, read the room. Like, (laughs) let them go by themselves. (laughs) So... Smart girl. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling that Emery gave stink eye to everybody and was like, I don't know if you get the social cue, but you are not actually invited. <laughs> and 
they were all like the scary lady over there said no so we'll just stay here I'm thinking Gwen joined her on that, though. Yeah, Gwen probably did. But Gwen probably was also like, well, I didn't plan on going because, as we know, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> but I'm going to back this up. You're not going. We're not invited. We were. Yeah. We In case Emery Stink Guy didn't clear that up for you, I'm here to verbally tell you you're not actually invited. <laughs> oh, my I God. We'll talk about it downstairs. Uh, if we ever get the long-awaited TV show and we ever make it to season whatever the fuck would cover this section, I hope that that is, like, written. <laughs> I hope that he's like, you are all welcome to come. And Emery is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mean you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so he takes Nesta on a field trip to the blacksmith to see where the, like the weapons that she's been, you know, not so much training with since they're still, I think using sticks, but in theory where the swords, the knives, all of these things are, you know, made. Except yes and no, because these are the non-Illyrian ones, but we use those too. And also let's be real. That's probably what he's going to source for the women because well, Illyrians and women, we already had that side, you know, story. So here we are. So he brings her here and he's like, you know, I guess he's just hoping to give her like a little bit of background. And also, um, you know, there's always the thought that like, if you understand like how the weapon is made, then you under like have more respect for it, yada, yada. So before he hands her something pointy, he figures she should see the whole, you know, how it's made episode. If you've ever seen that show. <laughs> and forged in fire, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All kinds of random references today. <laughs> it's the coffee. It helps. Um, <laughs> they come in and, you know, the, the blacksmith's just like, you know, okay, general, like, I, you know, I know who you are. Hello. That's as much hello as you're getting. And I guess when she comes in, she's looking around in a way that like, she's, she's interested. She's not being super nosy. She's not, you know, bringing any like judgment into this, she's actually here to just like observe, which, you know, for Nesta is like kind of impressive. And he says, you know, Cassian says, you know, I wanted Lady Nesta to learn how a blade is made before she picks up a real one. And the blacksmith is like, uh huh, well, like, I don't, I don't need like a, you know, I don't need a little errand boy. I don't need like an apprentice. Like, I don't know what you want me to do here. And he's like, no, 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 I just need a quick demonstration. Like, I just want her to see what your day to day looks like. And I can only imagine this blacksmith is like, my dude, you really could have called ahead and asked this first. This is awkward, but okay, you're here now. <laughs> well, as as um, Castian does to, to flatter the guy, to really smooth the way, he does say, I want her to learn how much work and skill goes into yeah. the process. To show her that a blade is not merely a tool for killing, but a piece of art as well. Ergo, my, my forged in fire. Yes. Well, and actually, Nest is the one that tips it over because he says this and the guy is just kind of like, uh-huh. But then Nesta, who had been watching the blacksmith for a moment very closely, she says, whatever you can show me in whatever free time you have would be much appreciated. And like, let's be real, for Nesta, that is like a very, very like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say kind, but you know what I mean? Not Unexpected. Yeah, that, it was just, a yeah. And, and I guess she says it in a way that she seems, you know, to truly mean it. And Cassian is trying to not look shocked that Nesta can have this human-to-human -human moment or, you know, fade-to-fade -fade moment. <laughs> 
And the blacksmith, after a moment, is just like, all right, and waves them in. And so he shows her the various stages of different, you know, blades he's working on, where they're at, how he got there, yada, yada. Um, takes her in, you know, through the whole workshop. And when he shows, like, you know, the design process and kind of, you know, he's he's shown little pieces of everything, she tentatively asks, can I try it? <laughs> and he's like, uh, and she's like, uh, hammering, like, you know, hammering the blades, I mean. I, I would, be, you know, I, I would love to try any if you, you know, have one that I can't fuck up too bad. <laughs> and Cassian points out, like, he'll pay for it. He, he doesn't care. You know what I mean? And so the blacksmith is like, all right, like, I guess if you really want to, I've got a few you could try. And similar to, like, when she's working, you know, through the sword fighting, she, or, like, similar to the meditating or anything, you know, of last chapter and a half she kind of gets in the zone while she's doing this and you know she's just really feeling you know she's basically able to just innately feel out what she is supposed to be doing and she's very good at it and it comes very naturally to her and the you know the blacksmith and Cassian are kind of shocked but the blacksmith actually just rolls with it and is like all right like if she wants to like here, try another one. Here, look at this. Like, he kind of just keeps working with her and he's actually smiling and enjoying it because I guess he wasn't expecting this. You know, he's thinking, oh, Jesus, the general's here and he's bringing some lady through. He wants to, I don't know, impress her. I don't know. But then he was like, oh, no, actually, like, she needs this. She's good at this. I like her. Like, I actually like her, you know? And it's kind of a nice, I don't know, moment because I don't think Nesta is initially met and well-liked. You know what I mean? Um, very often. Very true. So she's going at it. You know, the blacksmith smiled at her the first time Cassian ever seen a male do so. Because usually <laughs> she scares them. <laughs> Just a little. Uh, and uh, so the fact that this artery blacksmith like smiles at her is like, wow, everybody's having a great time. This is great. So Cassian just lets her keep at it. And this is kind of how they spend the afternoon. And we get a snowflake. And by the way, she's she's worked with the blacksmith on a regular sword, a dagger, and a great sword. Yeah. So three different kinds of weapons. It's kind of kind of cool, you know. Yeah, it's been a whole afternoon of learning. I love that for her. Me too. Now I will say, you know, as Cassian, and and just before we get to the snowflake, one of the last thoughts Cassian has is that he wonders what would emerge from the heat and the shadows. Yeah. So, interesting snowflake and you know cassian realizes as this is the next day or and, and it's you know learning sword play was no easy task the repetition the muscle memory patience but nesta emory and gwen were definitely game for this which kind of impresses him and and i think it's it's really cool and then he realizes actually they're more than game they trained with a newfound steady focus yeah. No one more so than Nesta, who now shelved her sword and took up a length of linen. She began to wrap her hands, rolling them as she rolling her neck as she did so. As she's getting ready, she, he realizes she's going to go up to a board, a padded board that they use, or a padded stump that they use as like a yeah. punching bag, so yeah. to speak. But he realized, you know, she came back yesterday very, you know, contemplative, very in a different place mindset wise. And so as he points out, he did not seek her out last night. 
even though every part of it had wanted him to do so, he figured he'd give her some time because she had a lot to process. Anyway, Cassian shuts everything down and he's watching Nesta approach this punching block. And he's like, you want to use the last 15 minutes to spar? Go right ahead. And that's all she needed. And so Nesta takes up her fighting stance and she begins to punch this, this block of wood, this padded block of wood. Yep. And we get a snowflake. Anyway, it's now from her point of view and it's, you know, the first impact hurt. Um, but then she's like, the pain became a song and she threw another punch, eliciting a satisfying thunk from the wood. Good. It had felt good to get it out, to channel it this way. And she's breathing and she's, you know, throwing her punches and as it says in here, every punch is carrying her fear, her rage, her hate out of her body and into the wood. And as it says, you know, for three days, she'd had fire in her blood. For three days, she had dreamed of swords and stairs and combat. She couldn't stop it, had fallen into bed so tired that she had no chance to even read before she was unconscious. There certainly had been no sex with Cassian, not even a smoldering glance over the dining table. Which I love that she's like, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. Fuck. Yes. And as she says, Azrael's presence helped. He, he trained the newest recruits, quiet and gentle, but unfaltering. Um, and he didn't know better. He'd swear that at least two of the priestesses, Rosalind and Alana, sighed every time he walked past. So we have some girl crushes going on. <laughs> Adorable. I love that these women are like, you know, I've been through hell and men are generally terrifying to me, but I have made it out of the library. I am using my body. I am learning how to defend myself. And also he cute. But at the same time, she has a very typical girly response of jealousy going, well, she's really glad they don't do that over Cassian. And I know. <laughs> and so she just, she's like, you know, and she's like, that was just a pathetic and selfish thought. And then, you know, and then she's like, you know, as long as long, she was pathetic and selfish and hateful. And then it's, you know, she goes through from yeah. punching. And, you know, it's one, two, one, two. Every punch is carrying her fear, her rage. And she keeps punching and punching and throwing herself into this. And we get a snowflake. We have somebody we haven't seen in a while. I'm so Me excited. Too. I'm so Me excited. Too. By the cauldron. Lucian is here. <laughs> yeah, Lucian. Lucian is here and he's observed. I can only imagine like cinema like cinematography wise, like all of a sudden him just kind of appearing in screen. Like you've got like Cassian in profile, and then next thing you know, <laughs> Lucian's standing next to him. Um, but anyway, he's basically here. He's watching for a minute and he says, Farah said she was training, but I hadn't realized she was, well, training. Like he thinks she's been probably doing the bare minimum, you know? Okay. She shows, she technically shows up. She does some sit up. She does whatever. But then he's looking around. He's like, holy fuck. We have a whole operation going on here. Like this is mm -hmm. a lot. There is a lot happening here. And Cassian doesn't even really uh, give him, he doesn't really even turn to look at him. He just is focusing on Nesta. And 
I think he's like a little insulted. You know, he's like, did you think she was just here filing her nails? Like what, what, like I fucking told you she was training. What did y'all think? And Lucian, I think, thinks for a moment and he looks over everything he's seeing and you hear the whole thing with his, you know, his eye doing the whirly and, you know, taking it all in. And he has a thought that I think has probably crossed other people's minds, but Lucian has kind of a way of sometimes saying in the nicest way possible the thing that, you know, the elephant in the room and he says, I wonder if there are some things that should not be awoken. Yeah. Cassian's and of course, Cass- yeah. Cassian's response is, mind your own business, Fireween. Basically, Faye for shove it. <laughs> well, all right. Can I just say, all right, you haven't read Throne of Glass, but for any of our listeners out there who have... That reference to Fireling, how many of you were thinking, hello, Princeling? <laughs> hello, Witchling? <laughs> yes, yes, it was there. I had it. I was so excited. <laughs> Lucian, I don't, I'm not going to go into a whole thing about this, but I laugh because for once again, we bring up uh, that Lucian is clearly a little darker than his fey companions at least in general like compared to some of them because you know uh he's paling his golden skill is paling as he's watching (laughs) i bring this up because there has been so much back and forth on tiktok about what lucian looks like and i honestly find the whole thing kind of insane (laughs) people be thinking way too hard but anyway if you've been part of the drama you know Or at least been watching it. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you've seen, if you've seen the drama go down, anyway. But anyway, so Lucian's uh, a little bit taken aback by seeing uh, she's not just training; she's training. Mm-hmm. And Cassian's basically like, what the, "Okay, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, you came go visit Elaine, isn't that why you're here?" And he's like, "Okay, first of all, I'm not always here to see my mate, so fuck you. And second of all, I came here because Feyre said that I should." Which is also like a little weird thing. I think it's odd that he showed up and Favor was like, well, I am pretty much banned from going, so you should go. I think that was a little fucked because she knows that people don't particularly love Lucian. You know what I mean? So like a little fucked to go send him into the middle of this, but whatever. He's here because Favor has asked him to be. And he said he had to kill a few hours before he has a meeting with Reese and Feyre anyway. So, you know, supposedly I'm just here to see see how Nesta's doing. You know, I thought maybe it'd be interesting. But Cassian kind of takes this for what it is, which is Feyre has sent you to check up on her and watch her. And I just want to point out that she's not a carnival attraction, which is interesting because now I want to know if there are fey carnivals. Yeah, for real. So that was a little bit weird. This is a little right up there. <laughs> Something about Lucian makes SJM like forget her world building for a minute and just say the weirdest shit. Because Lucian's also the one who always said balls, which I thought was uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say that that whole carnival attraction comment, it, it gave me a flash of the night circus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. But what do I know? Yeah, I feel you. 
But Lucian points out, he's like, okay, look, I'm not saying, I, I, maybe I kind of explained this poorly. I'm not here to like watch Nesta, make fun of Nesta. I'm not here for entertainment. I'm here because essentially Feyre wanted me to come and actually assess what is happening up here because she thinks that nobody has probably come up here and checked that out for a while. And like, she like you, Cassian, but you know, you may not be the most, you know, impartial, impartial judge here. And Cassian's kind of like, uh, I'm sorry, like, excuse me, what? Which is fair. Cassian's a little bit <laughs> offended by this. <laughs> but Lucian looks at him and says, I'm not your enemy, you know. You can drop the aggressive brute act. And Cassian says, "Who's it, who says it's an act? And Lucian let out a long sigh. Very well, then. Poor Lucian. I know. And I, I feel for Lucian. I, I think Lucian's really gotten the short end of the stick for the most part. I will also say, I don't see, I think Lucian knew that this wasn't going to go well. Same. I think he knew Feyre truly was asking him, you know, kind of as a friend, can you please go tell me like what, when Cassian says she's training, what does he mean? Like, is it, is it going as well as he's alluding to, or is he just really glad she's doing anything? Which in fairness, probably Feyre would agree. I'm glad she's doing anything. You know what True. I mean? But I think True. she just really wants a good idea since she's not really allowed to come. She's been asked not to and she's trying to listen, you know? Okay. Although my question is, is, I don't understand why she doesn't ask Asriel. Maybe she feels because he's there all the time, he's not as impartial. But that also doesn't really make any sense. He's only been there all the time as of like four or five days max. And like, I he's not her fucking maid. Like, <laughs> But I also think maybe he, she feels, and this is just by me projecting thoughts, but maybe her feeling is that he, he's not unbiased in that he will probably do or say something to back up Cassian. It has nothing to do with Nesta and more about Cassian. Maybe I actually wonder, and that could be it. That makes sense. I actually wonder if a little bit is actually because of like what I said, which is it started with Lucian being like, maybe some things should not be awoken. I wonder if it is like crossed Feyre's mind that actually a trained Nestia, Nesta could be almost too dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. I wonder if it has crossed Feyre's mind that while Cassian and Asriel may truly be training her, like she's not training with like Amran or Reese or even Feyre about like how to use the power aspect the mind aspect and that could be dangerous we know how untrained pharaoh went you know what i mean and in fairness lucian was the point out to, one to point that out back in you know akamath lucian was the one that was like we need a whole approach to this no you're right it was it was akamath yeah sorry no you're fine <laughs> i know it was a while ago but my point is, is Lucian was the one who was like, we need a holistic approach here. And so maybe she's thinking he could apply that thought process now. Like, hey, can you go see how she's doing? And can you, can you tell me not only, you know, yeah, is she training? But like, is she unhinged up there? Is she, do we, do we need to, do we need to step in? Like, yeah. So maybe that's really when he said I came to check on her. Maybe it's not actually the training aspect and it's more the. Where is she mentally and emotionally? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because in fairness, Cassian and Azriel are kind of a little less worried about that because their goal had been literally to get her to train and to literally participate. And they have done that. She is going to the library. She is training. She, you know, she she's right. technically checking the boxes. She is, but I also think if she, if there was a real issue, I do think because Cassian is. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but for some reason, these people don't, I, I don't know. know. They're they, stupid. 
Yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're trust. It bothers me because the more I read this, the more I feel like they don't trust Cassian very much, yep. which is very frustrating to me because we had to give Reese a lot of leeway to get away with a lot of what he got away with. I agree. So why can't he give Cassian the same? Right. Space. Like we had to have a lot of trust in Reese along the way when it was like, he would appear to be acting a certain way and we knew it was for the long, like it was, it was the long game. It was a long game. game. Yeah. So why can't we give Cassian the same, you know, length leash essentially? Absolutely. But anyway, uh, Lucian's like, all right, cool, cool, whatever. I essentially have seen what I came to see. I will stop talking to you. And we're watching Nesta and Nesta is, you know, she's still jabbing. She's still punching. Uh, and we start to see the wood splinter and they're just watching and, you know, she's kind of got that flicker of silver in her eyes for just a moment. And then it vanishes and Lucian caught it. He saw it happen. And when she turns and she looks at the two of them and she starts headed their way, that's when Lucian finally speaks. And he says, mother, spare you all. Right. But before that, she had been leading up to, in her workout, the knockout punch. And, and yeah, Cassian was aware of that. And so what happens is, is when she gets to that point, she's hit the wood so hard that it splinters. Yeah. Then she's just stopped. You know, it's one of yep. those. Then then that's when she truly acknowledges that they're there. And, yeah. and that's what, you know, he's like, mother, spare you all. Yeah. But Cassian's walking towards this wood that she splintered. Yeah. And I love it. It says a small disc of impact laying at center through the padding all the way to the wood itself. It glowed. Cassian raised a shake, raised shaking fingers to it, to the burn mark still sparking like an ember. The wood block was smoldering from within. He touched his palm to it. The wood was cold as ice. The block dissolved into a pile of cinders. Cassian stares in stunned silence as the smoking wood is hissing in the rain. And Lucian comes up and says only again, Mother, spare you all. And that's the end of the chapter, friends. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad Lucian's back. I'm also so stressed. Again, though, I think it's interesting because I think... Lucian better than anybody else because like, yes, he has, yes, quote unquote, he has like a dog in the fight because of Elaine, but he kind of doesn't have a dog in the fight. Lucian better than anybody, I think at this point has kind of the ability to take a step back and be like, I mean, I know when we were dealing with the Amarantha shit, shit was bad. Shit was real bad. Yeah. But since then, shit's still been real bad, like different but still real fucking bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's able to look at it and be like, Feyre's a fucking loose cannon. I know everybody love Feyre, but like she got a lot of fucking powers that we still to this day don't fucking understand. Now we got her sister who clearly has a lot of fucking powers that we don't fucking understand. You know what I mean? Like he has a better grip on Feyre's than he does on Nesta's. Right. And so they he's looking do. around and he's like, remember when I kept telling everybody that like, this was going to be a fucking problem and y'all just wanted to pretend it wasn't like, we've had nothing but problems. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but remember he's also the only one who's been, because he's been around um, Vasa. He's yeah. also the only one who's been around 
and really has a better idea of what's going on on the continent with True. the human queens, with Brialen, with Kostche. Yeah. And so I think that is part of what's in his mind. Yeah. All of this too. But I mean, I think, I guess it's just interesting because it's, it's, I think kind of true to life where it's like, you can get like, and there's no problem. Like you should, as everyone should, but like you can get in your own bubble, like recent favorite are in there. Like, Oh my God, we're going to have a baby bubble. You know what I mean? That like kind of makes them like rose colored glasses be like, everything is fine. I mean, there's some shit going on. We got to deal with, but we're going to have a baby. Like, you know what I mean? And like, Cassie and Nesta are dealing with their bubble of like, they don't fucking leave the compound. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's a bubble. I think like Asriel and Lucian are the only ones who are like truly at the moment, like in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that they are probably feeling an immense amount of stress to essentially try to fix the problem with as little input from everybody else as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, everybody else is still acting like, uh, you know, Reese is still acting like he's the, the, you know, head of the (laughs) committee, except for the fact that like, I think probably the people working under him would disagree. (laughs) Are there like, my dude, you're clearly distracted. Yeah. And obviously he is, because not only is he, oh my god, I'm gonna have a baby, but oh my god, I need to figure out how to save my wife. So like he's a little busy. Just just a little. But I'm just saying, like, that's gotta be rough for people like Lucian. I'm just thinking like that's how it is like in a real workplace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in a real workplace, you know, if your boss all of a sudden is out for a while for some reason or or you know, whatever, sometimes all of a sudden you're like, look, I'm supposed to be like third in this chain of command and somehow it's all falling on me. Like, great. <laughs> And I think that's kind of how Lucian is at this moment. Like, currently, I'm the one who is the keeper of all the information and physically actively going place to place and, like, trying to keep this going. And I don't think any of you understand. Like, and now I come home to find that y'all have been doing this. Like, this was supposed to be a restful weekend for me. And Precisely. So, yeah, feel for my dude. Okay. Samesies. Chapter 41 is long. It is Mostly because there's a huge section of porn at the end. <laughs> Which we're not going to go into grand detail about. Yeah. So for time's sake, two things are going to happen. We're not going to give you the whole history of a Pegasus. Pegasi, Pegasus. <laughs> just know. Yeah, just know that Helion comes in on one and he wanted to come in with a bunch of them. But Reese was like, I ain't cleaning up that much pony poo. <laughs> so much. instead, he comes in with one. Okay. It's still quite the entrance. Yes, it's still a wonderful way to make an entrance. But let me just tell you that like we now just like took care of like five or six paragraphs and like I'm in it. So we're gonna save you that time. And then we're also gonna not it was almost it was like a Billy Porter kind of red carpet. Yes. I'm so glad that that you said that because that's literally what I pictured as well. Um so yeah, we're gonna Billy Porter Jonathan Van Ness. Yes, I love it. So we're going to save time by not talking about the Pegasus into, you know, grand detail. And we're also going to save time by not reading you word for word the, like, 14 pages of porn. (laughs) So let's get into it. Yes. (laughs) Now, we do find out that the Pegasuses or Pegasi are super rare. Yes. And apparently the only one who has breeding pairs left is Helion, to their knowledge. And Amarantha actually killed off most of 
the Pegasus. Yeah. Pegasi, and he's only got six pair left. Yeah. Which is sad. It is, but also, like, <laughs> come on, this book is so long. It is. Anyway, I do want to say that there is. Now, remember we talked about Jelly Jubilee in Crescent City? Yes. Okay, and Jelly Jubilee is a pegacorn. Oh my god, I forgot that it was a pegacorn. I was thinking it was just a unicorn. <laughs> Jelly Jubilee is a pegacorn. Which is also oh. the stupidest thing I've ever had to say. <laughs> is it pegacorn or is it unisys? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Pegacorn. <laughs> I think that's about a name to it. Remember we said that it was gonna save time. Now we've eaten up that time talking about Not entirely. Anyway, I just had to point that out. But one of the things we find out is that the legend of the Pegasi is that they came from the island that is a re- was sure. that is the prison. Sure. And so it's it's just interesting because remember we keep talking about the fact that they think the prison at some point might have been its own court. Sure, sure. So I just think it's interesting that the Pegasi are from originally from the prison. But more importantly, everybody's goo goo gawing over this stupid fucking <laughs> Well nobody's seen them. Like they're they're fairy tales, you know? Like uh, you know, I know, but I think I just have a hard time with that as a human being like, I'm sorry, I feel that way about you people existing, period. But somehow the Pegasus is shocking to you. Like this man has a wings protruding from his back. <laughs> like Sorry, we're shocked on wings on a horse. I'm more shocked by the wings on a man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but again, not totally abnormal in their world. We're Pegasi, you're not something you Fair. see every day anymore. Anyway, so he comes in, and of course, they they do their whole, you know, greetings and the whole good to see you and of course i love i love it because you know reese is like well met and of course helian's response is well it's not the parade i wished for and he's like but you know my pegasus does know how to make an entrance so there is as i'm sure all pegasus i do (laughs) huh helian offers to let her take a ride and she's like thanks but right now i can't and helian's like what of course we had our little tete-a-tete, mind-to-mind with Reese and Farah. Reese lifts the shield. At which point we suddenly realize, oh my god, she's pregnant. Okay, I'm sorry. I have a really hard time with this whole thing where it's like, it takes us like 2.7 seconds to decide that we're going to tell Helion, but... We had to like greatly discuss whether or not we were going to tell, like, I don't know, people who see her on the fucking daily... <laughs> I agree. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) But they're also at a point, and and it does come up. First of all, Reese needs Helian's libraries. Second of all, I think Reese does know, no matter what, Helian is not a threat. Truly. And thirdly, as he says, we're at a point where it's not going to be too much longer before Favor starts to show. Well, fair, yeah. Yeah. 
I just like that this constantly comes up as like, oh, fuck, are we going to tell him? Are we going to do it? I don't know. Let's talk mind to mind. You knew he was coming to dinner. Why wasn't this established before he showed up? <laughs> exactly. But it does cause healing to go, well, this is why you wanted to learn how to do these impenetrable shields, Lovery Sand. Which yeah, is Helian's like, wow, I should have put this together. Yeah, and of course he's, you know, congratulations. He's very happy for them. I have to laugh because then Helian's like, so where's more? And all he gets is away. And I think it's funny because he's like, well, she's much better to look at than either of you, meaning as in Cassian. I know. So again, very cute. Anyway, I love I love the thing. So they're they're doing their little chitty chatty bit, and he finally is like, Helian looks at Reese and he's like, "So you wanted me to do some digging into a spell, or was that right. an excuse to get me into your twisted pleasure palace under the mountain?" We do finally realize that these guys really are friends. Farah and, yeah. and Helian really are very close, and as they go to do their thing, we have. We have a little snowflake. I know. I love that. We're like, he's joking, you know, yeah. Did you just, or did you just want to like lure me here? You know, Reese is like, please don't make me regret bringing you. <laughs> but I just love, yeah, Fair and Helian's friendship. I have missed you, my friend. I'll deny it to the grave if you tell anyone, but I missed you too, Kurtzberg. It's just, it's sweet. I know. It's I love sweet. it. I do love it. All right. So they leave the crappy, crappy side and move on upstairs <laughs> to the Moonstone. <laughs> they, they, they played with the uh, two soldiers locked up in the room. Yep. So we've come out of there and we're like, all right, so Crack Knuckles, what's the assessment? <laughs> and yes. Fair's like, are the soldiers enchanted? And Helian's like, well... Yeah, sort of. Like, there's definitely <laughs> something wrong with them. Uh, enchanted isn't really the word, though, because their bodies and actions, they're not controlling that. But there's no, spe like, obvious spell upon them. Uh, usually you can feel that, or at least Helian can. And he's like, there's nothing there to suggest that they're actually under a spell, but they are, like, not acting of their own volition. So they're clearly, like, bound to some other individual or something, but, like, I'm not feeling what that is. I, I, I can't... I, yes, there's something fucking wrong with them. <laughs> but no, I can't discern what. Well, and as he says, there's something... I can't explain it, but it's as if there is a fog around their mind that is right. swaying them. Right. And Fair was like, well, shit. Well, right, because if there's nothing tangible, then there's no curse to break. There's nothing, like, Helian can't break something that's not there. Yeah, at which point then Fair was like, oh, lovely, the crown from the Dread Trove. <laughs> at this moment... Uh, Helene is like, okay, so are we going to like give me all of the information or I know I still got to fuck around and find out. <laughs> so they tell him everything. Yep. For the most part. They don't tell him about Baron's treachery because that would basically cause World War Three to break out. Right. We don't, um, yeah, we ain't got time for that. But they do tell him about Kosche and about Brielle and hunting for the trove and that Nesta found the mask. Poor Helian's like, I, I really thought we were going to have a, a break from trying to avoid this kind of shit. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. He's like, I'm sorry, I thought that 
you know, I, I thought we just did the fucking big bad. You're telling, basically, I thought we did the big bad because it was Amarantha. And then I fucking thought we did the big bad because it was a whole fucking war. You're telling me there's no big bad out there? Yeah. And the answer is yes. And Azra finally says what nobody has wanted to put out there, which is, so that means that just the harp is left out there. Right. And he's like, you know, if Brialen has the crown, it's possible she's had it for a while, and that's why the other queens fled to their own territories. Maybe they thought she'd use it on them and ran. Right. And maybe she even found it here during the war while we were all distracted with the fighting with fighting Highburn and used it to pull her forces back to bide her time. And that's what could be that brought her to Koschay's attention. And that's what he wants from her. And he fair was like, I can buy that, but why use it on heirs soldiers to attack our people in Orid? What's the motive? Guys, I'm sorry. This part cracked me the fuck up. I was in my allergist office when I read this and I literally laughed out loud and an old lady looked at me because we get a, well, maybe she knows what we know that you know that he knows. <laughs> like it's the most fucked sentence ever. Perhaps it was to let us know that she's aware that we know of her plans, but how did she know that we'd be in the block? <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> Who's on first? Yeah, I yes. laughed out loud. I was like, <laughs> maybe it's to let us know that she knows that we know that she has it. <laughs> like, fuck, what? <laughs> We know who's on first and what's on second. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is like that old Abbott and Costello. Bit. Yeah. It, really it was is. kind of hilarious the way it read. I was like, there had to like nobody at any point in the writing or editing or publishing process was like, yo, we could fix this sentence. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. Now Helian's going to point out uh, once again, that Brianna is made and that's going to bring me back to the point of we really got to make a definition of made because I sort of feel that we just use it at random. And yes, I understand that they're all quote made, but I would still think that the how matters, but maybe yeah. it doesn't. Anyway, whatever. Brianna, like, like Elaine and like Nesta is cauldron made. Right. But then also there's that weird little problem where Nesta clearly took from the cauldron. So like why she got extra something, something, but we don't know what. True. So now we're trying to guess everybody's intentions. Like maybe they're trying to trick us into killing them um, because we're trying to figure out what the fuck. Okay. Got it. Got it. So Brianna's got the fucking, you know, crown. We've got the mask, the fucking harp is still out there so that's a problem but like what's what's that got to do with eris's missing dudes like what is their deal and so we're yep. just we're spitballing we're spitballing and we get to maybe it's to trick us to killing it into killing them so that essentially we can start world war three with the autumn court right yep yep favor's like that plan sucks like even if that is her plan that's a terrible plan I, I, like why like why would you pit everybody against like that amount of soldiers like I don't even care how much power you think you've got especially if we've got the mask like that's fucking stupid <laughs> and everybody's like you know what that's a good point and then Helian's like hey this is great I love what we're doing here but I have a real question which is if you have the mask can I see it <laughs> oh that would be great because maybe while you're here you could show Nesta how to ward it, you know, because she's right now the one who uses it. Therefore, she needs to be the one who wards it and unwards it, you know, like in case we need it. Like we need her to be able to do this. Basically, I, I do love this. 
Feyre couldn't come up with the words. And she was like, we tried, but it didn't work. So maybe you could show her, you know, with a spell that's got more oomph. And Reese is like, oomph. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, oomph. <laughs> Not all of us can be silver tongued like you. <laughs> yeah, I just like, oomph, yeah, oomph. Yeah, oomph. that's what we're looking for. I can only imagine Helian's face during this whole conversation. Because he's biting his tongue not to Yeah, he's apparently snickering, and Asriel is rolling his eyes in the corner, and he's like, okay, well, in case you're wondering, Nesta's fucking waiting. Like, she's sitting there with the mask waiting, so let's carry on. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot about that. Um, Which is wild to me. Nesta's sitting there with, like, a very, very deadly weapon, and we fucking forgot. That's fine. So we go. We see. So she stands. We're all awkwardly staring at each other. Uh, Helian bows to her a little bit and says, Lady Nesta. (laughs) Nesta immediately is like, side eye, lady. And Feyre's like, oh, you know, he's just, he's trying to be polite. And Nesta immediately looks at Cassie and is like, oh yeah, okay. You know, remember when you said you fucking hate this? I understand that now. I too fucking hate this. This is weird. And Cassian's like, right? It never stops being weird. And everybody else in the room is like, this is really uncomfortable. (laughs) But luckily Helian is much like Asriel of the thought, like, we meet them where they're at. So he's actually just kind of amused by this instead of insulted. And we carry on. Nesta asks, so you're the one who came in on the Pegasus? And Helian's like, yep, that'd be me. Your Pegasus is lovely. Thank you. Uh, You are lovely. Cassian, uh, cue Cassian being jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Cue Feyre and Reese trying not to laugh at this whole encounter. Hugh Asriel just really fucking wishing everybody would do their jobs and cut the small talk. <laughs> and Esther's making Helian squirm. Yes. Because she's not one of these people who like that. She doesn't back down from him. You know, usually he gets to be the flamboyant talker and she's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it also doesn't hurt that she has a you know, really like oodly doodly a weapon in front of her. <laughs> like that thing could take us all out. And she's like, I appreciate the compliment. Mm-hmm. But it does get acknowledged, and this is important to, to note, that that pause while she'd surveyed Helian had been a courtier's pause, assessing how to best strike. Yeah. Reese, realizing that this is, We've now surpassed small talk and are just in awkward town. Uh, does his best to remind us all why we're here. Uh, there it is. There's the mask. Nesta, could you show him the mask? And she takes the cloth off and there it is. And Helian is immediately like, oh shit. You wore this and lived? And she's just like nodding. Uh-huh. And he's like, cover it. Well, and he's like, cover it. Like yeah, immediately cover it. tells him to cover it. it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Reese is kind of shocked. He's like, oh, I'm like, my bad. It sh- it, it affects you that much. And he's like, yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't it you? Like, this is totally like it, the way he says it is it rakes cold claws down your senses. And Feyre's like, yeah, like, I'm not really getting that. I, it, it's it's a lot. But no, it doesn't bother us like that, Helium. That's just you. <laughs> Which is like a little disturbing little disturbing 
Helian literally shudders. Nesta does cover the mask. They're trying to figure out like what the problem would be. And he's like, well, maybe if one of my ancestors used it, it somehow like imprinted a warning like in my bloodline or something like that. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, I guess that's how that works. That's fine. Whatever. But then he kind of, again, like collects himself and he says, all right, not Lady Nesta. Allow me to show you some warning tricks. Even clever Resand doesn't know. We get a snowflake. Yeah. So in the end, Helian does create the wards uh, with Nesta. Uh, and he's keyed them to her blood. Gee, these sound a lot like the ones and all the High Lord's palaces where their treasures are. You know? Yeah. We do find out Truth Teller is what was used to uh, create the slice in her hand for the blood. Cassian's completely like freaked out by the scent of the blood. He kept, like, literally is fighting the urge and even favors like, what the hell's your problem? Yeah. And and then she's like, well, but you're the one acting like a caged animal. Are you jealous? And he's like, of Helian? No. This is such a stupid conversation. <laughs> it is. And like, he's jealous. He's fighting the mating bond. It's whatever. Okay. We get it. I just anyway. don't know. I do not understand. Like, when when Reese probably felt like this and Feyre was too stupid to pick up on it because she was being Feyre. I just really think that Cassian and Asriel and more opted to shut up, like just like shut up and ignore it. You know what I mean? I don't know why they can't give Cassian that space. I, I don't know. I mean, Asriel kind of does. Asriel does, but I don't know why like Cassian, like, I don't know why like Reese and Feyre can't leave him alone. Can't though. It's, it makes me bonkers to be yeah. honest. Anyway, they're like, okay, so it's done. And Helian's like, once we leave this room, no one shall be able to enter it. Even you, if you do not unlock the wards, cannot enter. And that's just like, oh, thank God. And he's like, I'll show you the unlocking spell. She's like, nope, I don't even want to know it. And there's silence, and Nesta's like, look, if Brielle is hunting for the mask, if she apprehends me, I don't want to have any knowledge of how to free it. It was wise, even if it made him sick to consider, but he could have sworn it was a lie. Could he have sworn that Nesta didn't want to have access to the information for herself? And Reese is like, that's fine. Helian can show me, and if we need the knowledge, I'll show you. Which I love because this is the human, well, fey version of two-factor authentication. <laughs> it is. And you know what? It really does make sense. It, it does. Know, I actually it, think it's genius. It is genius. And I know that that Cassian is struggling with it. And he doesn't totally believe Nesta's reasoning. However, I have a funny feeling after wearing the mask. Nesta actually does understand that. And I think yeah. her thought is, I don't want to have that knowledge because I don't want it to be used against me. 
Right. I think there is a piece of it where she's afraid she could be tempted, but I do think she also having worn it knows that not only could I be tempted, but if I were compelled to use it or, you know, give over, give it over somehow or whatever, like that would be equally or worse. You know what I mean? Equally as bad or even worse. Absolutely. And so Ezreal's finally like, okay, so we have to tell Eris about his soldiers and what we did to them. Yeah. How much do we tell him? Yeah. <laughs> at which point, Reese looks at Cassie and he's like, hmm, you're paying Eris a visit tomorrow. And then he's like, looks at Nest and says, and you go with him. Which I love. Okay. I love his thought process where he says, you know, she's like, why? And he says, because you savor playing the game. Yep, yep. And he, then he goes, but it is your choice. And that's just like, fine. Works. Let's do this. So we do that. And Azriel's like, I want to confirm that Briallen has the crown. I'm traveling to the human lands tomorrow. At which point, both Favor and Reese said at the same time, no. Azriel's like, I'm not asking for permission. And Reese is like, it doesn't really matter. You're not going. If Brielle has the crown and catches you, even if she just suspects you're nearby, who knows what she could do to you. And he's like, give me some credit, Feyre. I can keep hidden. And Feyre's like, we are not taking any risks. Fair enough. And it's just, it's an argument, but it's a fair argument because even Feyre's like, look, information from your spies any spies can't be trusted with the crown in play. Amron said it needs close contact to sink its claws into someone's mind. We stay far away from Briallen. And then Azrael, who is not happy about having to, to do this and, and remove his spies and everything, is like, and you agree with her when he's looking at Reese, and Reese's answer is, she's your high lady, what she says is law. So yeah, there's some definite unhappiness and anger going on there. So, okay. Anyway, Helene's like, I would like to move, remove myself from the mask's odious presence. Can we enjoy your palace, Resand? It's been a while since I was in a place of such quiet. If you'll allow it, I'll stay here for an hour or two. And, you know, Cassie's like, what are you reading today? Because again, remember, he was assuming she's reading a romance. And she's like, A Brief History of the Great Sieges by Ossian. And and Cassian literally almost stumbles over and trips. And he's like, what? It's not a romance? And then she's like, well, I realized after you left me the dance of battle, there's a great deal left for me to learn. So last night I asked the house to give me something you might read. He's like, but, but why? And Nesta goes, well, what's the point in learning fighting techniques if I don't know their true purpose and uses? You'd train me into a weapon and I'd be just that, someone else's weapon. I want to know how to wield it myself, I mean, and others. I just love that the book comes full circle because, like I said, she snapped it shut, but not in a weird way. <laughs> and this explains nope. why. It's so awesome. And he's like, you plan on leading an army, Ness? And she's like, not an army, but perhaps a small unit of females. Ooh. <laughs> Cassie's like, blink. The priestesses? Well, I mean, she, they're the only females you got, my dude. 
Well, and she's like, well, I don't know if they join, but there are others out there, I'm sure, who might. I'm immortal now, or as close to it as possible. I have nothing but time to plan that far into the future. And his chest tightens because he realizes planning for the future is a good sign. And we get a snowflake. And now, it's sexy time. So we have a snowflake. Uh-huh. And now we're at kind of the part where we said we didn't know what to do. So we're just going to like kind of gloss here. Okay. So <laughs> it's nighttime. Set the scene. Cassie and Knox on Nesta's Just like that. Yeah. Just like that. And he's like, oh, so uh, no more war books because she has moved on to reading one of her typical, you know, romance novels. And, and she points out something that I think many readers, uh, especially those of us who like read for the vibes, can understand where she's like, no, no, no. Those are only for during the day. <laughs> war books are for during the day. Romance is before bed. <laughs> and um, she asks him like, well, what, 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 what you got there, though? And he's like, oh, just like more books I thought you might be interested in, which is really just like a fucking ploy to come see her and chat with her, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll just, I'll just leave these here. And he's going to leave. And she blurts out, was it not? Why would you ask that? Yeah, he's like really bothered by it. And she's like, well, you just like left really quickly and you seemed kind of weird about it. And then obviously you never like came back so I just kind of assumed and he was like oh like no it's just you've been focused on your training and she's like oh bullshit but okay thanks well good night then and now he's backtracking he's like oh my god like I didn't mean it like that like obviously yes I liked it well as he says how could I be so selfish to demand more sex from you when you're so invested in training Right, which is fair, I suppose. But then we immediately, just immediately go into the dirty talk. And that's why, like, uh, I'm going to flip through here real quick. I, we got one. We got two. I got three. Oh, I accidentally highlighted there randomly. I highlighted the word you by accident. <laughs> so we got, we got one. We got two. We got three. We got four. We got five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven and a half. Eleven and a half pages. Yeah. Really descriptive sex. But before yeah. that, we do clarify that, oh no, he's wanted to. He had a really good time. He enjoyed himself. Yes, he does, everything he he does background. And they they they, they finally, like, own up to the fact that they each have wanted to do it again. That sure. they missed not being with each other before all the sexy time starts. Yep. Really, what you got to know here is it boils down to how are we going to do this? And has she been taking care of herself? And the answer is yes. And she's like, I think you could do a better job. And he's like, do you want a side-by-side -side comparison? And so we do that. Yeah. We test out a few different ways that we could send Nesta to the happy place. And we just, you know, uh, for science, for data, we try a few different things. <laughs> and lo and behold, they're all great. 
They're all great. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Everything is great. Literally, I am out of the euphemisms. 11 and a half pages of this. It's a lot. It's wild. Enjoy. When we come out of the other side of this, we get a snowflake. And I think we get all we need out of this, which is Nesta couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> what we did for 11 and a half pages, Nesta not moving. There is basically one wrapped up body in the middle of this bed. Okay. And I will say we get a couple of cute's not the right word, but like a couple of uh, like heartfelt snippets kind of out of this, which is she feels like she's never felt like this with anyone. She doesn't have like any embarrassment around him. Like that's why it can be as wild for 11 and a half pages as it can be because she doesn't feel like she has to hide herself. Like she doesn't feel like she has to like, worry about what he's thinking about any of that. Like it just feels, you know, right, which is nice. Then we get into this thing where she's like, and, and this is where I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Why can't you just fucking like use your brains? She's like, I'm not done. Like I could do this again. What she actually says is I still need more. And he says, I know. And she's like, mind blown. She's like, all right, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to, I have no problems pitfalling. How, how can I need you again so soon? And he's like, I've needed you from the moment I first met you. And now that I get to have you, I don't want to stop. And she's like, yes, yes, that, what you said, that's it. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with the two of you? How can you not just fucking say what this is? Come on, Cassian, you know. Even she should know at this point. If she doesn't, dude, Cassian, hello. So that's weird um but anyway then we kind of get funny remember like i vaguely recall you boasting weeks ago that i would be the one to crawl into your bed but it seems you did the crawling cassian and he's like yep yep that's right seems so mm -hmm. thank you for reminding me <laughs> and then well we're just like ready to do it again and so luckily sjm spares us the details but uh, it does, this is where we get, <laughs> put your hands on the headboard. Hold on Hold tight. Hold on tight. And that's where the chapter ends. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. We told you we would keep that part short because we don't have it in us. <laughs> I think that's easier to do when we're really tired and loopy than first thing in the morning with coffee. Yeah. Very true. Like when I've had wine with dinner and then we record, much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Anyway, that's the end of the section. And I think it covered like a lot of really cool ground. We got meditating. We got swordsmanship. We got blacksmithing. We got Helian and Pegasus backgrounds. And <laughs> we came up with a, yeah, we came up with a clear plan around warding the mask for safety reasons and Lucian's back and hold on to the headboard. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm, it's because I've read this so many times, it's so fun to me every time now that I go back and I read it because I see more and more and I know where this is going and I'm getting excited. Sure, sure. I'm ready. I'm ready to continue. All right, guys. Hopefully you're going to get another episode soon. Uh, I'm going to stop guessing yes. about anything about life. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to, we're going to, we're just going to lay low and hope 2023 forgets we exist. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. the way I'm moving forward. 
2023 has not been a, a joy. So yeah, we're just going to pretend that if we keep our mouths shut and we lay low, it can't hurt us anymore. So with that in mind, hopefully you'll get more episodes soon. Uh, always check the Discord. But before we go, Okie dokie. Uh, I have nine. I will warn you guys. I Remember, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I don't have any more, like, I'm out of sexy songs for the most part. There are a few, but not many, and I'm trying to save so them. share because... with us yours. That's what I want to hear. Really? I haven't talked about it. Please let me know. That being said, here we go. So the first song is I Want Your Sex by George Michael for the sexy times that we just talked about in Chapter 41 and did not go into great detail about. Uh, song two is Block Out the Noise by Johnny Craig, which is when they're doing the breathing in the library, learning how to meditate and focus their breathing and let everything go. Uh, number three is You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. Again, these lovely sexy times we're having in chapter 41. Song four is The Quiet Comes In by Fiona Kennedy with the sword play. When Nesta just... She hits her meditative zone when she's out there, when she's doing her punching on the punching block. Again, it's that whole, she's doing her thing and it's it's zoning her out. The next song is Two Swords by Raman Dijwadi at the blacksmiths when she's learning how to hammer on swords and the dagger. Yep, yep. Song six is Friendship is Magic by Marcus Warner. Uh, it's the girls training, the friendship when they're in the library. And Nesta really has that first true realization that Gwen is her friend. So it's it's all about that. Number seven just made me giggle and it made, made, made Kelsey laugh out loud, which is If I Had a Hammer by Peter, Paul, and Mary. I love it. For The Forge, I had to have a sense of humor on that one. I'm sorry, guys. It was a good giggle. Song eight is The Sound of Silence. I don't care what version you pick. Pentatonic, Simon and Garfunkel, Disturbed, pick a version. Any of them are good. And it's when Nesta literally goes into the zone when she's doing things. Whether it's she's she's meditating, whether she's doing sword play, whether she's, you know, doing her her sparring, whatever. Nesta has found a way to hit the zone and it gives her that sense of quiet. And song nine is I Put a Spell on You by The Hound and the Fox. And it's Helian teaching Nesta how to ward the mask. That's it, friends. I love it. Uh, and definitely tell us all of your song suggestions. We want to hear it. Also, we've still been dropping the gift reactions in the chapter chunks. Uh, those are so fun. I enjoy doing those a lot. So you can find us in all the places, MassiveFansBookClub.com, Facebook at MassiveFansBookClub and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast. I swear to God, we don't use Twitter. Twitter is dying. No, I'm not doing friends. <laughs> Instagram at MassiveFansPodcast, Pinterest at MassiveFans, TikTok at MassiveFanPod. And don't forget, like we said, the Discord's the easiest place mm -hmm. to chat with us. We actually check that one all the time. Yes, we do. The others are like hit or miss. <laughs> we apologize for that. Yeah. We've yeah, both been, we've both been beaten to death by social media content creation through our jobs. So we're more There's or less that, and I've, boxing. That and I've been beaten to death by the overall negativity on social media. Exactly. And social media is toxic a bit. 
as, as Kelsey will tell you, I've unfortunately had the misfortune of having to see the worst side of people in social yes. media. See, and so see, it really turned me off. Sorry, yes. guys. Nothing no worries. Personal. No worries. Like we said, Discord. That's the best. Mm-hmm. We love yes, it. Yes. What a fun time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, we did it. Uh, all three chapters in two hours or less. We did it. Huzzah. <laughs> so, it's a party. It's been fun being back in your ear holes. We'll be back soon. Yep. Mm. Okay, bye. Bye.